we're a little more uh, uh, bit off a little more than we can chew, which is kind of our normal MO. So, <laughs> so that's why we're like, sure, we can do that. <laughs> so uh, Psalms 50, verse 10, for every beast on the forest is mine and every and the cattle upon a uh, thousand hills. And uh, <clears throat> so being ranchers and uh, taking care of lots of cattle, uh, uh, we were uh, constantly reminded that they're not ours and they can be taken away at any second. And, uh, and it takes a lot of effort upon on our part and, and God to uh, keep, the, keep everything rolling, and, but it's all for his glory. And uh, so <clears throat> we're going to go through kind of uh, kind of uh, a little biography, I guess, autobiography of how we came to be and what uh, uh, where we are today, I guess. So so uh, <clears throat> I'm going to start out as our our, our calling that <clears throat> uh, both of us, since we were very young, knew that we wanted to be in production agriculture and and uh we kind of took different routes to get there and uh uh <clears throat> so so my small brain was like you know i need to go learn everything that i can from i went to college and got a degree in animal science and went and worked with one of the the best ranch managers uh in our lifetime probably and and uh, spent a lot of time building a foundation of, you know, learning what it's what I need to do to be, to be good at, at what we do, and uh, spent a lot of time and effort in continuing education and uh, uh, learning from uh, uh, learning from the experts, I guess, and. and uh, so I'm gonna start with my purpose and calling. And in uh, 1 Corinthians 7.20, um, and I guess I grew up with using a Bible, and so I'm going to be turning to the verses. 7.20. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. And some people are called to some pretty amazing things, um, missionaries, pastors, um, evangelists, apostles, everything. At a very young age, at the age of seven, it was very strong on my heart. I, like, I want to be a rancher. Um, my dad was a pastor at the time. We lived in town, and that's an impossible dream. And at seven years old, I'm like, how and when? And like, I don't know. I don't know how this can be. It's almost like I want to be a cowboy for Halloween kind of thing. And, um, but so that's like the first thing in our life where it's like this is impossible, an impossible dream, and there's no like really good rhyme nor reason of how this should come to be. Um, at the age of 16 is when God impressed on my heart to, to re, I'm going to say resave rededicate my heart. My mom said I, I, at the age of four, I um, asked God into my heart. But at the age of four, you, you kind of know something, but you've not made a decision as an adult. So at the age of 16 is when I decided I am going to do this for God and with God. 
Um, and I was at home at the time, so I went to my dad and I said, hey, I want to confess my sins. I want to rededicate. And my, do my dad led me in that together and we prayed together. And you could say my, that my dad led me to Christ, um, both in that verse, but in how he lived and presented how, uh, and as an example to us kids. So my dad was actually a pastor here in Alliance. My grandma has a ranch in Rushville, and so we're still able to go out and help her pretty often. And that was how I could, could scratch that itch of doing what I wanted to do, but it also made it even more stronger every time I was out there. This is really what I want to do. Um, at the age of 17 is when we ended up. All kinds of things happened. Part of it's my dad's story. We ended up moving out to my grandparents' ranch at the age of 17. So the beginning of the impossible dream and the fulfilling of that calling began at that time. And I loved being out there, and uh, that um, I just jumped into it all, all in. And so the things that make this impossible is, one, if you're not, if you don't inherit it, if you're not born into it, you don't get to do it. And you need to do it from a very young age. At the age of 17, it's not very young for the idea of growing up on a ranch. I didn't really grow up on a ranch. In my mind, I feel like I did because everything before that really doesn't matter in my mind. So that was our calling of, of where we wanted to be in, in ranching and owning cattle and doing what we were beginning to love. Um, so then, then there's the, the story of us, which is the next um, impossible thing that God brought about. Um, we'll, in Matthew 16, 26. But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. That's kind of something that we've really stuck with us and throughout our lives. Then the next verses are uh, Ecclesiastes, which uh, which is one of my favorite books of the Old Testament because it really uh, challenges us as uh, you know being driven. You know, uh, there's nothing new under the sun, and to toil day in and day out, and uh, remind us what uh, why what we're really here for and what we're doing. But uh, Ecclesiastes nine through twelve is. Uh, there are two, if two are better than one, because they have good reward in their labors. For if they fall, one can lift up his fellow, but woe to him 
that is alone when he has fallen, for he has not another to help him up. And again, if two lie down together, they have heat, but how can one be warm alone? And if no one, and if one prevail against him, then who shall, two shall withstand him, and threefold cord is not quickly broken. So our uh, partnership of uh, each other and God is our three, three cord, threefold cord. <clears throat> so in the beginning of us, uh, kind of very similar stories. Uh, I kind of, so after college, I went and worked on, uh, worked on a ranch and, and uh, out in the middle of nowhere. And then uh, I got called up to, uh, for the guards and went to Iraq for a year and a half and came back home and I was really just tired of being around people. And so I just turned into a hermit out on my ranch and I was living my own little dream. And, and uh, I'd spend every waking hour out on the ranch honing skills and learning and and uh, and for those three or four or five years I was out there, I'd maybe make it to town a half dozen times a year and get some groceries and then go back to my little oasis away from people. And uh, uh, then, uh, one of my aunts was like, I think I'm going to put you on uh, Farmer Wants a Wife because you're never going to get married living out there on the ranch and there's no, there's no women in Sheridan County and you're just going to be an old, crotchety old bachelor, and, which I was pretty much fine with at the time. So, But uh, then one of Heidi's aunts kind of tricked me into uh, a... a uh, blind date or a blind meeting I guess and she she called and said hey what are you doing Friday and I was like oh well she needs some help working her horses or whatever and I was like oh yeah I can come when do you need me and she was like like six o'clock and I was like at night or <laughs> and uh so went to her house and that's how we uh <clears throat> were tricked into meeting each other I guess well, it was a card party. <laughs> so, and she told me, she's like, I know this guy, and I think that you guys would be really good together. And I says, oh, I don't do blind dates. <laughs> One, because I live in the middle of nowhere, and so if I don't like him, how do I get home? He still has to drive me home. I have to ride in the car with him if I don't like him. So I said, no, thank you. And she's like, well, what if I throw a card party? Now, in the Midwest, that's a big thing. I don't know if it is anywhere else. You invite a lot of people, and you sit down, you play pitch. Um, and I was like, okay, that's a pretty low-key thing. We can do that. So I forget, maybe 20, 25 people were invited to this card party, and they all knew why. <laughs> so Brock and I show up, and we're like the main attraction. <laughs> We've never met. We meet there. And she makes us be partners throughout the night playing cards. Um, and so... That, that's how we met, the story of our beginning. Uh, so when I, um, I also went to college, I left the ranch, I went to college. 
I told my dad, I says, I'm going to be gone for four years, and then I'm coming back. And he says, no, you're not. I said, I am coming back. Um, I have six siblings, um, and we grew up working hard. Um, work ethic is a big part of our tradition and our family. Um, and so up to that point, I was like, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to sleep in. I'm going to do no chores, and I'm going to watch no children for four years. And that's what I did. I also got a degree in accounting at the time. But it was my vacation for four years, and then I said, I'm coming back, and I'm going to begin. And when I graduated, I did exactly that. I showed back up on my dad's doorstep, and I said, I'm home. What are we going to do? Um, so I got to work with my dad on the ranch and my grandparents. Um, my grandpa was alive for, for several years um, while I was there. Same story as Brock. I came back to the ranch and said, Everybody told me, you will never find anybody to marry if you just go back home. Um, we have had a long tradition in Sheridan County, um, and so I'd have somebody say, hey, here's a great guy, and I'd be like, uh, he's my cousin. I can't go out with him. Um, so I had that, and everybody was just like, you have to go somewhere else and get married and then come back. But I said, this is where I want to be. So if I go somewhere else and I find someone, then I'm going to have to do what he wants to do and where he's from and whatever job he has. I said, I'm going to marry somebody within 60 miles of where I live. That's the next impossible thing that I said. He lived within 60 miles of where we are. So God answered, answered that. Um, and my dad had, a lot of people would come out to see the ranch, visit him, um, because of his, he was, he's kind of an evangelist. So he's out and about a lot, and then people would come back and, and want to see where he's from. And one of them came to visit and said, hey, do you think that you've met the man you're going to marry? And it completely stopped me short. And I was like, oh, no, Lord, I hope I haven't. There's nobody that I know that I want to be married to. And uh, that's what I told him. I said, I hope not. I hope God has somebody different that I haven't met yet, which he did. Yes, God's plan just kept working. And this guy was like, well, I'll pray for you. And I said, thanks. I need all the prayer I can get. But I didn't know whether he was praying for, for my potential spouse or if I would get some common sense and, and make a different decision. But I was very, very focused that I wanted to ranch. I wanted to ranch in Sheridan County and I wanted to find somebody that would stay there and, and be a part of that dream. So um, God, God did that. God brought him. Um, and the day I got home from the card party, my mom was like, what would you think? I said, he's a great guy. I'm going to have him, I'm going to trade help with him. He can help me brand. That's what he's going to be really good at. I really wasn't, like, convinced. But he was a nice guy. Um, that was in February, and by January, we were married. Uh, so it was quick. Um, when it happened, it happened. Um, we uh, started talking. Um, at that point, we were, uh, lived 20 miles apart, 30 miles apart. Um, so we got, we would, we'd work all day. I was working on my grandma's ranch. He was working with his family, and we'd work all day, and then we'd be like, are you coming to see me or am I coming to see you? Um, and there was a whole new trail uh, that appeared through the sand hills 
made by Brock and Heidi driving back and forth to see each other. Um, so it was really fun to see how, and that was, um, I was 25 and he was 26. So at that point, people consider you old. Like, if you haven't met somebody and, and dating somebody by that time, like, it may never just happen. Um, and so um, to go that far with, with no, no, there wasn't even the idea that I had met him at that point. Um, so just like a little side note, encouragement. If you are, if you have a dream, you're looking for somebody and you don't even think that that's possible right now, but God, God can do it and nothing will stop God. And age and distance and time is not important when it comes to God's plan. So we stand as a testament to that, um, that you can find that one person that does complete you, become your second cord, and, and with God, your third cord that can stand against the storms of, of life. Um, so Brock comes in on a Saturday, walks into my house, and he says, what do you think about Monday? And I says, what about Monday? He says, you want to get married on Monday? And I said, okay. He said, let's call the courthouse, <laughs> and let's go get married on Monday. And so Saturday, Sunday night, we call our parents, said, what are you doing Monday? <laughs> you want to meet us at the courthouse at 1030 Monday morning? And they're like, well, we will clear our schedules, <laughs> and we will be there. Um, that is how our parents met each other. Um, they were like, we thought you were going to get married. We just didn't think it would be like this. Um, his dad what, stood up for him, and my mom stood up for me. Um, we only had our family there, and uh, we went back to ranching the next day. <laughs> that afternoon, we went back to ranching. Um, I was like, I don't need a wedding. I want to buy cows instead of have a wedding. And so <laughs> that's what we did. If you haven't got the, the idea yet, I was very focused in what I, what I wanted. So God has a lot of promises that he gives us. Um, and in Deuteronomy... Uh, 7.13 is a promise that we've always held clear, dear to us. Um, let's see, am I right? Yeah. And he will love thee and bless thee and multiply thee. He will also bless the fruit of thy womb and the fruit of thy land, thy corn and thy wine and thine oil, the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep, in the land which he swear unto thy fathers to give thee. Uh, that promise obviously just really resonates with what we do um, each and every day. But then there's Ephesians 6.13, which is kind of what we've had to also stand by. Because God... In all of his promises, there's a lot of promises, but he never promises that it will be easy. Um, we can look and look and look, but it's not there. So, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. So there's many days when we got going that today, if we can stand... When we get down, fall down, we're just going to stand again. And if everything else 
we're just we're standing. That's it. That's all we can do today is stand. Um, so we had a great story. We got started. We were doing what we wanted to do, and then the hard began. So uh, <clears throat> I felt like at that at that time I'm like you know we've got a good foundation we've we've learned all you know I <clears throat> uh, I I knew all the answers to all the questions and I was the expert and uh, and <clears throat> and then through effort and effort and things were working things were getting hard and. Uh, uh, <clears throat> I don't know how many verses in the Bible talk about pride, but uh, at, at some point I realized that <clears throat> it's not me that's doing it. It's not my knowledge. It's not my expertise. It's God that's doing it. And uh, so I can use all that stuff, but I need to put God at the forefront of it and let let things happen more than make things happen and uh <clears throat> so the parable of the talents you know i was like you know god's given me a lot i'm gonna give a lot and uh and and provide a lot and uh uh <clears throat> i guess just the the you know back to that pride that you know it was all me that was doing it and uh Everything, everything that I, all my efforts were were for toil, and and uh, I needed to needed to relinquish my pride and and uh, glorify God that He's the one that's actually you know making the rain and keeping the hailstorms away and and uh, uh, you know <clears throat> letting. Uh, Letting the Holy Spirit talk to the order buyers and bid on your cattle one more time, and and uh, it's just uh, 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 <clears throat> it was a big release for me to uh, to know that that it's not me that's holding this thing together, and uh, I'll let Heidi go on and finish up. Yeah, yep, I will. So, for me, I had a very strong sense of purpose and direction in my life at this point. I knew what I wanted to do. Um, I had, by that time, we, had, we were married, so I had fulfilled exactly what I said I wanted um, getting married. I had also said that I wanted a rancher who lived within 60 miles, and I had that. Um, when... In my case, anyway, when you have that strong sense of purpose, patience can be a very hard thing to have. Um, patience is my weakest virtue. And I don't even want to ask God for patience because I know how he does things. And I don't want to be tested on it. I don't have patience, and in fact, I just don't want it. I just want everybody to accept that I don't have patience and let's just get things done. It is 
as our life progressed, we ended up needing to having the opportunity to move into a, the family business. One of the things that I told Brock, I said, we get married, we are not joining either of our families in business. It's too hard to do that. Well, God chuckled when he heard that. And it came a point where we had to make a decision. And it came to us in such a way that we looked at each other and I said, we don't have a choice. Um, we had to join the family just with what was going on. So that began a season of where I had to struggle to find my place. I, I had already had a place in what we were doing and then we started something new with new people. It was extremely difficult for me to navigate. I struggled emotionally and mentally. I had four kids during that time, which added to, to everything. And just some days, some days were, were very, very hard. And, and a lot of people saw it, and they would come alongside, and I said, you just need to have hope. You just need to have hope that things will get better and things will come out. The definition of hope is a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. So you're sitting there hoping for something to happen. I'm not patient. I want it to happen like, so I prayed tonight, like I want to wake up in the morning and realize like everybody has changed and my whole life is exactly where I wanted it. That's my sense of hope. So when it doesn't happen, when you're hoping, when you're at the bottom, you're struggling, and you're just like, God, you've got a plan for me, a purpose for me. Why is it not happening? I have a hope. You've promised hope for me. And then I wake up in the morning, and things are still the way they are. In uh, Romans 8:24, and I added this. Sorry, Pastor. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for it? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? If we can see it, we don't need hope. So if, if you're looking for hope, it's because you can't see it. Like, you cannot see it. I want, I want change, and it's almost impossible because there's no rhyme nor reason of why it should happen. That's what hope is. But God says you have to have patience for hope, which we, that's not what I have. Luke 21, 19 says, in your patience, possess your souls. So to have patience, you have to take control of your soul. My soul's impatient and wants things now and wants things today. God says that's not what patience is. So to have hope, you have to have patience. Patience to hope for what you can't see. And then to have patience, you have to grab your soul and hang on with all you can and say, listen to me, soul. We're, we're going to be patient and hope for what God has said. The, definitions of, the definition of patience the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, 
or suffering without getting angry or upset. That is everything that is not me. That's why I don't want to ask for patience. But to me, the definition really explains it and makes it, makes it come home. To have patience, you're going to have to accept. And if you have to accept it, that means it's coming. It's, it means there's going to be, de be delay, there's going to be trouble, and there's going to be suffering, and you're, you're going to want to get upset, and you're going to want to get angry. And I did, very often. And I would have to come back from that and be like, okay, I'm going to get back to patience. But it wasn't easy. And though some of those days, I just wanted to get angry, and I did. And then I'd be like, okay, Tomorrow, I will not get angry. In the midst of this, the blessing is, is that our, our cord, our two-strand cord stayed strong. And we could lean on each other, and hopefully when the days were hard, the other one could bring us up. And our third-fold God, to always come back to God and be like, okay, God, I'm still hoping and I'm still trusting that what you said, that purpose, that calling that you gave me when I was seven years old, is still true. And then 2019 came. We'd already been struggling for years. At this point, it would, it, it's been years. Uh, the transmission went out on our vehicle. Um, we were due with our unexpected fifth child that we needed the vehicle for. And then our finances hit an all-time low. Up to this point, God had always provided at the last minute. Um, when we needed something, it was there. Um, but at this point, it was like, God, it's, it's not here. Even if, like, I don't know, it would take a miracle beyond a miracle beyond a miracle at this point to recover us. What are we going to do? By December of that year, we looked at each other and we were just going to be honest. If we have to, we can, we'll just declare bankruptcy. We'll just start over. We'll, we'll, we'll say that you've got a different plan for us and we'll go somewhere else and we'll just get jobs and we'll just start over with the knowledge that we have. We, we overdrew our checking account to visit family for Christmas. And um, it, was, it was a hard Christmas because we were there to see family, but everything from that year was sitting with us at Christmas. And we didn't share it. We're just like, we're not going out to eat, though. We're staying. We're not shopping. We're just here to see you guys. And then we're, we're at this point now in our finances and in where we're at emotionally, thinking that maybe we have to quit and start over. And one of the ranches that we were leasing, the owner contacted us and said, we want to sell, and we'll offer it to you first, us with the overdrawn banking account. And he says, but I'm going to sell it. So if you don't buy it, I'm selling it to somebody else. But we were leasing it at the time. And so it was like, are we going to lose this big part of our operation, or what are we going to do here? I was confident that we had a plan and how we could, could pay for it, but we had to 
make the jump to do it. Um, and so at this point, we felt that every door, window, and even peephole had been slammed in our face. And we were backed onto a cliff. We saw no way forward at this point. And in the natural world, there, there wasn't any way forward. If that's the next impossible thing in this world, you cannot buy a ranch. And I think most people in this room, growing up in this area, you, you understand the impact of that statement. If it's not been inherited or given to you in some way, you're not going to buy a ranch and pay for it in your lifetime. But then, at this point, we were on the edge of a cliff. We threw our hands in the air. We said, we give in. We give in, we give up, and we're going to give it all to you, God. And in Deuteronomy 28, verse 11 and 12, once again, it's in a different part of Deuteronomy, but it says, The Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, in the fruit of their body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy ground, in the land which the Lord swore unto thy fathers to give thee. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto thy land and his season, and to bless all the work of thine hand, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. We, get, we gave it, we gave in, we gave it up, and we gave to God, and we said this is what we're trusting to happen, God. All right, so, uh, <clears throat> yep, we were dead broke. Uh, like, we even borrowed money on our line of credit to tithe that year because uh, we didn't, we just didn't have anything, anything to give. And, uh, and I guess going back to, I'm not sure if we were just married or, or, or uh, prior to, but We'd been to church and we were kind of talking about tithing on the way home, and we pulled up to the mailbox and and uh, in front of the house and just were kind of shut the pickup off and continued our conversation and and uh, at that time I was like, you know, I don't want to be a burden to God. I don't want to, you know, you know, expect miracles or you know. I just had a hard time wrapping my mind around tithing. I grew up Catholic, and my my parents were very generous, but it wasn't necessarily a tithe, you know, uh, you know the the ten percent, as far as I know. Uh, but uh, so I had a hard time wrapping my mind around the the scale of it, and uh, and uh, I was like, you know, so you know, if we tithe and we get rain, but my neighbor who doesn't even go to church, he'll get rain too. And, and, uh, so, so we were kind of challenged or I was challenged that way. Heidi was, was brought up that that's just the way it's going to be. And, uh, and, and God had proven that since, um, that we, <coughs> we, we get rain when the neighbor does not get rain. And, uh, in fact, I was at a meeting last winter and showed the drought 
in Nebraska, and the, pretty much the whole state was red except for a little circle in the central Sheridan County. And I was like, that's our ranch right there, that green spot on that map. And uh, uh, <clears throat> so when everybody around us was suffering from drought, our place was flourishing and green grass and tall and and uh, uh, it was <clears throat> uh, so when God says to challenge him on it he'll he does does provide back and uh, but back to buying the ranch we were we were broke you know all the conventional wisdom is you can't buy a ranch it's too expensive it's too uh, you know uh, you know generational burden to strap your kids with all the debt that comes with the ranch and uh, uh, our land landlord at the time said you know I want to sell it to you guys you know what can you make work and we're like well we don't have any money so we need uh, a really small down payment and uh, and he's like well that's that's fine so <clears throat> typically when you buy a ranch it's like 25 to 30 percent cash that you need to give a bank to so we were buying a four million dollar ranch we need to come up with like eight hundred thousand of cash we didn't have 80 bucks so so uh our landlord financed us and uh he brought that down to a hundred thousand dollars and we scratched and scraped and and uh one of heidi's sisters loaned us money for a down payment and uh we got the down payment in and and uh and started making our payments and and uh oh and then another blessing was he was like i'll do a half point under in under prime interest rate and fix it for 10 years well like two days before we closed the fed dropped it another half a point which saved us like ten thousand dollars a year and uh <clears throat> and he honored it and went down and and uh so it's uh there's a lot of little things that added up to being able to make this thing work and and uh but uh i seen or i saw a little deal on facebook a few weeks ago and it shows a guy leaning on a shovel saying uh and and uh, pastor dan last week kind of said the same thing that you know, when you pray to move mountains, don't lean on a shovel and expect them to expect them to move. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's it's a it's the partnership that you know praying st starts it, but but you need to go get out there and move that mountain yourself, and uh, God will make it happen. So when we made the decision to give in and give up and give to God, we threw our hands in the air and said, God, we're done. We can't do this anymore. And God started to move obstacles in people's hearts, and there was a glimmer of hope that we hadn't been able to see that we could buy this ranch. And it had taken time, and it had taken patience. And, and more importantly, I want to just... 
to make that very, when you just make the realization that I am not going to do this, that if we are God, you have to do it. And to make that say, I'm giving in, God. I give in. I've tried, and I now realize I can't do it without you. Started, things started to change. The, the, the landowner, the, the owner of that ranch, had it in his heart that he would help us any way he could. And that's a story that when we tell people, they're like, that never happens. There's nobody out there like that that will trust you. That takes a lot of trust on his part that you'll, you'll go through with your end of the deal. I mean, there's some contracts, there's signatures signed. Yeah, he's got a basis like, yeah, he can take you to court and he can, at what cost though? So the trust that he placed in us, um, once again, was huge um, for us to, for us to know that somebody believed in us that much that they saw what we felt in our hearts and said, yes, we will come alongside you. So we had a dream and a calling and a purpose that God had given us, but we didn't do it by ourselves. There was people that prayed for us. There was people that spoke over our lives. There was the, the people that physically said, hey, no, I can help you do this. I can make something happen for you. Um, the people that just came alongside and said, we're in this with you. And when you don't have it, and, and sometimes we didn't feel like we had it. That's where the struggle on the heart was, was like, why doesn't anybody else believe in us? We're here trying our hard, hardest. But then as people started to come alongside us, the obstacles started to, to move out of our way, and we looked at us ourselves, we looked at each other one day, and we're like, I think we're going to buy a ranch. I think we can do this. Which was to buy the ranch, that wasn't, I think we can make the, the payments every year. How the heck are we going to do that? But one step, like our step was, well, if God says we can, he's everything in place that we can buy it, let's make that step. And then the, the, let's see if God, let's say, God, now we have to make it. We have to pay these, make these payments every year. How are you going to do that? So it was still, it was another improbable dream that was coming the impossible that God said, it's not with man, but it is with me. And so with great trepidation, not, not with surety, I mean, we were happy, but it was with trepidation that we did this. It was going to be a gamble, but once again, we're like, we were at the point of bankruptcy. If we can't make this happen, we're not off any worse than we were before. So let's give it a try. And, and God, in my heart, I had certainty that we could do this. I, I'm a numbers person. My degree is in accounting. I like to do numbers. I like to do cash flows. For those that don't, I'm sorry. I, I just do it. If I can go home at night and sit down and do a cash flow, that's my jam. So I'm just like, yay. And I'm like, I, on paper, I can cash flow this. It's going to take a lot of work, and it's, it's going to be hard, but I think we can do this. So we're backed up on the edge of our cliff, and we told God, you have to do this. We had no other way to go, so we jumped off the cliff. We jumped. We said, God, catch us. And he gave us wings, and we never hit the bottom. We started flying. That was the beginning. Like, 
to know what God can do when God, when, when we've given up and we've turned it all over to God and just said, okay, God, show me what you can do. It's absolutely amazing. I don't know if there's any day that we don't go by that we're like, how is this still going? How are we still doing this? But God gave us wings to fly, and we've been flying for three years. And there's dips and there's lows, and we've got hard days, and sometimes we look at each other and we're like, is this still your dream? Are you still having fun? When we were 15 hours have gone by, we're like, but that's the, that's remember exactly what you said. When you're in those hard moments and you want to write something down, that's what we do. We look at us and we're like, we're living our dream. It's hard, but we're here. Let's go to bed. Let's get up and we'll go again because this is what we want to do as hard as it is. And God hasn't let us fall yet. He's let us dip. And I think maybe that's so that we can, he reminds us that he's still doing it and we're not. But God, God has done it. And through our lives, it's been the impossible dreams that we've had, but yet God has still walked with us and it's been possible through him. And, and we want to say that we, we are blessed. We're extremely blessed. We've been blessed with children. We've been blessed with, with a ranch and with cattle and, and with really good family members. Um, and we just have to remember that it's a blessing to us. And, and some days, the, the days are hard. The hours are hard. Raising kids is hard. Doing it all together is even harder um, sometimes. But, but God and the purpose and the calling that he put on us is what we're living out today. Awesome testimony. Awesome. Beautiful. Our God, the God of the impossible. Amen. Yes. Thank you so much, Brock and Heidi. That was amazing. I have lots more questions, though. Whew. Jeez, that, what an incredible story. All right. So uh, let's just go ahead and... If I'm going to close in prayer, but if there's any of you here that are facing something impossible and you would like prayer to be able to be girded up with that kind of faith, that kind of hope to stand for the impossible, I'd invite you to come on up. <laughs> 